Thank you for joining us once again on Answering Religious Error. You know, the truth may be hard to hear, but sometimes we also may find that it's hard to speak. Uh, what do we say when we're faced with situations that do not welcome the views of God? How should we answer that college test that clearly opposes uh, the teachings of the Bible? And what about that dishonest deal the boss wants you to make to further your career? Or what about keeping silent uh, when faced with family and friends who just don't want to hear you talk about it anymore? Well, thank you for joining us tonight as we discuss how and when we must speak the truth in our continuing series we call Keeping My Head on Straight. So we thank you for joining us tonight, and we hope that you'll hang in for the program and be encouraged by uh, the words that we'll share with you this evening. We want to remind you that this program will also be airing on our new podcast, and um, as probably shortly thereafter, at some point in the evening, at least by tomorrow, you can go to any of your favorite podcast platforms and look up Answering Religious Error and listen to this program while you're out and about. Put those headphones in while you're driving or listening in the car or whatever your favorite podcast of choice may be. Uh, we're on several more platforms now, so we should be pretty easy to find, and we hope that that'll spark some interest here in the near future. But you can also, um, uh, beginning next week, uh, start listening to a new program uh, that's really going to be kind of the flagship of our podcast programs. And that is a show called The Daily Answer. And that'll be each weekday morning beginning September 6th. Uh, so tune in daily to hear our own Mark Dunnigan, who you'll meet in just a moment, uh, on your favorite pat podcast program with answers to life and godliness. So listen to The Daily Answer to start your day. And that'll be every day uh, during weekdays, Monday through Friday. We really look forward to hearing uh, that program and uh, Mark sharing stories with us. If you'd like to comment on our show this evening, please contact us by private message on Facebook. Uh, you can comment in our live chat on Facebook or YouTube, or always email us at questions at answeringreligiousera.com. Our program for answering questions uh, will be tomorrow, and that's Wednesday for our live Bible Q&A. So we hope that you will tune in for that as we come to you every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time. So if you have any questions you'd like answered, you can um, go ahead and send those in at any time. All right, gentlemen, it's good to be with you this evening. And uh, I'd like to uh, sit back and uh, listen to your uh, wisdom regarding this uh, important subject on speaking the truth. Uh, but before we do, let's begin with a prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in prayer and thank you for this opportunity that we have to give praise, honor and glory to your name through all that we do as we search your scriptures to find out what is so, that we may apply to our lives these lessons, that we may have the boldness to speak your truth, that we may not shy away or be shamed by your truth, by uh, society or those that we may come in contact with in this life, as many try to uh, bring about other types of fear and uh, try to intimidate us. Uh, but no matter who it is, we know that your word is the most important thing, that striving for godliness is uh, the most important thing, and having a home in heaven with you is the most important thing. So help us to have that boldness, as uh, Paul the Apostle preached for it. Uh, we beg you for it as well, and help us to encourage each other, to motivate each other, that no matter what our circumstances may be, we will never fear to share your message. Thank you for uh, those that are listening tonight. Please bless them in the hearing of, of these lessons, and thank you for the men uh, that you have allowed to assemble this evening that uh, they may uh, share their collective wisdom together 
and encourage all those in the listening audience. So help us to um, uh, grow closer in our relationship with you. Please forgive us of our sins. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Brother Mark Dunnigan, uh, uh, start us off. Chris, good to be on the show tonight here in Central Oregon in Bend. Preach for the church in Bend on Sunday and uh, be praying for the Christians over here. There's probably not another congregation within 150 miles plus of, of this group. So it's definitely needed over here. Uh, the first question we have tonight deals with uh, speaking the truth. And if you'd bring that up, Chris, as far as do I really need to speak the truth in uh, at all times in every situation? John eight thirty two, Jesus said, if we abide in his word, uh, we'll be his disciples. We'll know the truth and the truth will make us free. So definitely knowing the truth frees us. I think we would agree that doing the truth frees us. Seems like that speaking the truth would free us as well. I think of Ephesians 4, 25, therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. Uh, I, want, I want to start off this section, Chris, and then let the other guys jump in, is that I'm impressed with Jesus on this topic of that um, he never hesitated to speak the truth. But it's interesting, Chris, when people would ask Jesus a question he did not always immediately answer it. There are times that he said, well, wait a minute, I got a question for you. And if they didn't answer his question honestly or refuse to, then it, then it looks like that Jesus says, I have no obligation to answer your question if you're not going to be honest. And I don't know, I think sometimes we might jump into things too quickly in the sense somebody says, well, what about this? And and, and I think we have good motivations. We want to give an answer. We know the answer. But people sometimes need to work for the answer. And we need to say, well, that's a good question. Here, read this passage. Now, you tell me what it says or what it means. Just, just a heads up sometimes. I think that we are sometimes too eager uh, to speak instead of like, well, I got a question for you or here, you take a look at this passage. Um, I think in other shows, we've definitely. Uh, well, Mark, I don't know if you can hear us. There's been a couple times that uh, before the show, uh, you froze up on us a little bit and this may be one of those cases. So if you can jump back in, if you can hear us, uh, we'll wait for you. But in the meantime, uh, let's go ahead and give some other thoughts uh, in regard to this. Uh, gentlemen, what are um, some of your thoughts? Do I really have to speak the truth at all times? Is there is there a time that maybe we shouldn't speak? What are some of your thoughts? Terry, I think you're muted. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of Ecclesiastes 3 in verse 7 that says, there is a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Meaning that, no, if you're saying speak the truth at all times, I say, no, you run in your mouth too much. Sometimes <laughs> you need to just sit back and listen and be, and be silent. So, yes, there's a, there's a time for silence. And then you have James chapter one telling us that we need to be slow to speak and, and 
quick to hear. So those are two passages that say, no, uh, you don't have to always be talking and getting your viewpoint across to other people. There's time for you to listen and see what you can, what you can say after you've assessed the situation better. Sometimes it's a matter of being wise to listen and evaluate before you say something that, uh, that you know is not going to be accepted in, in this, this arrangement. And if you know this, this is a, a person that's not open to truth and is not open to what, uh, what you're going to have to say, because they, they pretty well know what you stand for anyway. And there's a time just to say, well, if you're open, uh, I'd be glad to study with you or I'd be glad to talk with you further about this. But if there's not an openness there, uh, there's no obligation to force a person to listen to us anyway. I don't see Jesus doing that. In every case, I see Jesus coming uh, to people who came to hear him. And it's usually he's speaking to people who want to hear and are interested in, in hearing. And as Mark said, on some occasion, they questioned him and he knew their motives. And he decided in this situation, I don't need to answer that. I don't need to answer them uh, immediately. Uh, they need to to think more and I'm going to ask them a question. If they don't answer that, then I'm not obligated to, uh, to talk to them further about it until there is some honesty there. So you have to evaluate who you're talking to. And that, that means that there's more listening and evaluating than there is talking in some, some situations. You know, Jesus said, cast your, cast not your pearls before swine, Matthew chapter seven and verse six. And so, there may come a time when we're wasting our time and the Lord's time and the time of the person we're trying to talk to uh, by teaching truth to those who are not really interested in the truth. The Apostle Paul also told uh, some of the unbelieving Jews in, uh, I believe it was Antioch of Pisidia, that they judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. And likewise, people can judge themselves unworthy of the truth. And I believe everybody's worthy of the truth until they judge themselves unworthy of it. They have a right to the truth and we have an obligation to speak the truth. So long as there is a love for the truth and a willingness, uh, such as the Berean Jews had to, uh, to search the scriptures daily to see whether those things uh, are true. As Mark said earlier, there may be times when it's better for us just not to speak the truth uh, just as Jesus did not always speak the truth, not that he ever lied. We should never, we should never lie, but sometimes it's best not to give a person the truth, especially if we're pretty sure they're going to try to use the truth, mock the truth and use the truth against us, which is what Jesus enemies were always doing. What Mark brought up earlier in Ephesians chapter Four, um, and what Bob and Terry have said are very good, but I want to look at more the idea about being deceitful or dishonest. We feel sometimes pressured to do that. And when the question asks, speaking the truth at all times might for someone open the door to say, well, maybe there are times in which I don't have to be truthful about who I am or what I'm doing. Uh, that I could 
maybe say something that would be more less than honest. And of course, that brings up what we've often called situation ethics, that the situation may demand, I feel, that I would be less than honest. I might even have to say a bold-faced lie uh, to protect myself or to protect my family or uh, to uh, protect a grade, as we'll talk about uh, in school or in college. We may be doing something or presenting ourselves a certain way. It's a real problem online. I just got done preaching a couple sermons on social media. And it's a real problem for people who put up false profiles online. They present themselves with different names, uh, different character, and they act differently than they would if, if they knew someone else was around that knew them. And that's just being dishonest. That's not being truthful about who you are. And there's a reason for that. They do that so that they can act in certain ways uh, and not be judged by those who, know, who would know who they are. Uh, and that's not good at all. And so we have to be very, very careful knowing that Christians are to always present themselves truly as who they are. We're not to be deceitful or dishonest people. And we shouldn't feel pressure to be deceitful to others about who we are or what we believe. Um, as Bob and, and Terry pointed out, there's, it's not necessary that we have to say something all the time. We could just keep our mouth shut. We don't have to answer every question that's given to us. We don't have to offer everything that we know about a situation to somebody who doesn't need to know all the details about that. But what we need to do, if the situation demands it, is present ourselves as who we are and to speak truthfully, especially as Peter said, if we're asked concerning the hope that is within us, we need to be very truthful about telling people the reason for our faith. And we don't want to be intimidated. We don't want to be scared. We don't want to be uh, evasive in any way. We need to be upfront as to what we believe. And I think that's the thrust of what we're talking about tonight is fighting against intimidation and pressure to be less than truthful about who we are or what we believe. And a Christian needs to be bold, not intimidated or scared. And one of our viewers makes a good comment, too, in Zechariah eight sixteen. These are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. And when we think about the things that we do say, well, they need to be meaningful and poignant. Um, and there is a time and a place, as has already been mentioned, as we know that Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 11, if any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And um, so, you know, there's a time and a place for that as well. Uh, Paul the Apostle talked about, um, you know, I've, I think it was to the Ephesian church, I've preached to you the whole counsel of God. And so uh, we don't want to withhold the truth uh, in, in any way as well. Um, but also, you know, Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before swine. We have to be wise in knowing when to open our mouths. And, you know, the statement I've always heard, and apologize if one of you have already mentioned this, because quoting James, it reminds me of the idea that, you know, we have two ears and one mouth. We need to listen twice as much as we talk. You know, it's uh, sometimes people say things just to be heard. Uh, I've talked with people that uh, you think you were having a conversation, but you're really just sitting listening because all they do is talk. But what are we saying, really? And when it comes down to it, when we want to have the boldness, as Paul the Apostle prayed for, to preach and to teach the gospel, it's because when we have opportunity to talk, take advantage of it, because there are going to be a lot of opportunities 
that are uh, ripped away from you in this world because people don't want to hear the truth. They're not interested. They won't give you a platform uh, to hear. It's easy when you go to church. It's easy when you can get with the you know group of guys like this on a video tonight and and uh, say the things that are necessary. But when you're out there in the world dealing with people one on one and uh, dealing with the opposition, much like Jesus did, uh, sometimes you just got to stoop down in the dirt and write and uh, know that if it's worth my time, worth the time uh, of the gospel, we want all men to be saved, uh, but not all men will. And uh, we want to give them enough that they can understand. Sometimes, you know, we have to cut short a thought and say, you know, that, that's enough to chew on for now. That's enough to think about. And uh, we'll go on to more meteor topics maybe next time around. Uh, but what else do we have, Mark? Well, good observations, gentlemen. I was just thinking in light of the warning of Revelation 21.8, all liars end up in the lake of fire. What God hates in Proverbs 6, the false witness. Uh, what happened in Ananias and Sapphira when they, what you might say, kind of hedged the truth a little bit. Um, and just all the passages that talk about the importance of not being deceptive and not being one of falsehood, I guess, to me, I would really hesitate to say, yeah, there are times that I don't have to speak the truth because it would be, what if someone, Chris, had the question, are there times that I don't have to be unselfish? Uh, are, are there times that I don't have to be faithful to my wife? How about that one? You know, I think it's dangerous. I think it's dangerous when we feel that there are situations in life where we don't have to be honest. One thing I wanted to throw in here as we bring up our next question, Chris, was that when someone comes up to us and, you know, kind of uh, is going to share some information with us, uh, I think sometimes we need to say, wait a minute, are you about, are you going to tell me something that I'm going to have to go and talk to somebody else about. <laughs> okay. If you don't want me to do that, don't say anything. Okay. In fact, you need to be talking to them right now and not me. What's the next question, Chris, in tonight's show? And this is one I think uh, I, I was, uh, I was in St. Petersburg listening to a speaker and this question came up and I thought it was a good question. It could be college. It could be high school, but you know, you know what the teacher, the professor wants on the paper, you know, the end, you know, and this would be more like a, in an essay, you kind of know their perspective. Do you just kind of give them what they want to hear, get the grade, pass the class, move on with your life? Or do you speak like, and, and particularly this would be, this could be maybe a moral issue. Maybe the paper's on abortion, or maybe the paper is on, is there absolute truth? What if the paper's on creation or evolution or human evolution? What if the paper is on homosexuality or that's what the paper needs to be about or transgenderism or situation ethics? How about that one? Or what's the meaning of life? Um, what, what would be your advice for a young person in a situation like this? You know, I think that uh, sometimes when you take a test, I believe you need to convey to the teacher that you have mastered the material. You have studied, you know what the textbook says, you know what the, uh, the lecturer has, has said. And I think we need to, to convey that we, we understand that, but 
here is what I really think. Uh, what is said in the book, what has said was said by the lecture, just will not stand the test of truth. And uh, it may it may not be something that is talked about in the Bible, but may it may be something that is simply uh, rational truth, and we need to present that. But I don't think we ought to uh, harangue on something like that. But uh, let them know that we understand the position of the uh, the pro-abortion people or pro-choice, as they call themselves. Uh, but that does not mean that we have a right to take the life of an unborn child. And Bob, Bob, I think that's a good po point of, you know, that we, we don't misrepresent the other side is that we clearly say, yeah, I understand their argument. I understand their point of view. And here's the shortcomings of it. Here's where it falls short, because the purpose of a real education should not be just to buy into an ideology. I mean, the purpose of a real education is to think, right? Isn't the purpose of a real education to find the truth on any given matter? And what are the best arguments? Good point. I think sometimes, too, uh, it's been helpful for me. Of course, I'm not talking about a college paper here, uh, but it's been helpful to me to start conversations like that with, well, they say, you know, always make it a point. I recognize and I appreciate Bob's comments on being educated about some things and, uh, you know, doing the work, understand the material, but also keeping your faith and your understanding that this isn't necessarily something I believe. And uh, it's not that you have to be contradictory in the things that you write. Um, you know, the salvation of souls is going to be taught sometimes through other means, uh, you know, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And granted, all those things are, uh, you know, part uh, of, of his gospel. But, you know, just to argue a particular point, I have to admit, I've never brought anyone to Christ because I won an argument about a point, uh, whether it be about abortion, homosexuality, or some element of the world, or science, or instrumental music. I mean, things that hit a little closer home to, to worship. We'll get to talking about those things, uh, but um, it's healthy to talk about those things when you have that uh, common respect toward God's word. And that, that, so you have to kind of learn a little finesse in regard to where to begin so that you can lead to saving someone's soul. But if you're dealing with everyday circumstance, uh, like we talked about at the beginning of the program, sometimes some arguments aren't worth arguing. Uh, we do not have to live our lives in debate mode. And uh, some people thrive on it. Uh, but I find most loving Christians uh, really don't or they shouldn't. What are some other thoughts, Terry, Mark? You know, one one additional thing I had, Chris, was that when you write your paper, write it well. Uh, craft your words yeah. uh, which which I think is really really important um, Terry what th thoughts do you have well, I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback here for some reason but you can always say talk to your teacher uh, personally and say you know I'm I'm going to give what the question is asking for according to what uh, the textbook is saying uh, but I hope you understand. I don't necessarily dis, uh, I don't necessarily agree with what the textbook says. And as long as you, you know, this is what is taught uh, without giving any acknowledgement that what is taught is actually true. Uh, you can say this is what is taught 
here in the textbook. And you, if you want to, you can even write a brief disclaimer that this is not all that everybody believes. And so the textbook may say this, the teacher may say this, others say differently. Uh, I think most professors and teachers would appreciate uh, that you've thought it through, that you've thought through both sides of an issue rather than just being somebody that, uh, that uh, mimics or just goes along with the flow. So, yeah, I think you can make, you can show that you've grasped the material, as was said, and that uh, you don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, some situations may call for you to say that, some, some may not, but you can always say this is what is taught. And uh, that would be true. That's what they're teaching. But, it, and at the same time, recognize that that's not necessarily what you believe is the truth. Can I make one more comment in regard to that back in, uh, you know, Matthew chapter five, when Jesus talks about their, their views under, you know, matters of the old law, it's almost like he actually used that approach. He says, well, you, you have heard it was said. And it's like saying, well, they say this, you know, they, they, they've taught this, but now I say, and uh, of course that was the appropriate time for him to, um, you know, correct the errors of the, of the past, but just thought I'd throw that in that you'll find that from time to time in scripture where the writers and speakers will talk about things that others say. You know, when I was in college, we have a lot of feedback. Uh, so somebody might need to mute until we can uh, rectify that a minute ago. And I still heard it, but uh, I don't hear it now. Okay. But we were studying Henry David Thoreau and, uh, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson and Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, taught subjectivism and Henry David Thoreau kind of put it into application. And in talking about those, I made it clear, I understood what those men said. And uh, of course, Henry David Thoreau wrote on Walden Pond. But then I put in that somebody has defined a, a neurotic as a person who builds sandcastles in the air, but a psychotic as a, somebody who lives in them. And I made the point that uh, in my mind, uh, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson built sandcastles in the air and Henry David Thoreau lived in those sandcastles. Uh, and so I just kind of give her something to think about, you know, when I, when I answered that question. I've been in this situation several times because I put myself in them on purpose. When I, when I was pursuing my history degree at the University of South Florida in Tampa, Florida, I took with my elective hours a number of religious courses for the very purpose that I wanted to sit at the feet of liberal professors who denied the inspiration of scripture and did not and maybe did not believe in the God the Bible teaches about just so I could hear and understand their way of arguing that I may understand their position that I would be able to deal with it better later in life. And I took introduction to the Old Testament, introduction to the New Testament, alternate religions, and several other classes, just for the purpose that I may be able to hear it, as we say, from the horse's mouth. I wanted to hear it from them. I wanted to see the textbooks they used. I wanted to hear their arguments. Uh, and usually those professors knew that they had uh, the gamut of different students in that class, from conservative to people who did not who uh, did not believe the Bible was inspired, all the whole gamut of beliefs. And and like Terry and, 
and Bob and and Mark and and uh, has mentioned that we I went to some of them and talked to them about it that you know <clears throat> I saw things differently and they they understood that they said that's fine um, and on the test like Bob said I would answer according to the way they taught I would give back that I understood the material that they taught uh, but when we did papers I would do papers uh, if it was a controversial issue from the standpoint of my faith. <clears throat> and most of the teachers, if not all of them that I remember, graded it not in a way that say, well, you disagree with me, you fail, but they graded it according to my argumentation. Uh, that if I argued it um, and gave reason for my belief um, and wrote a good paper grammatically and so forth, they gave me the grade I deserved. Um, they did not uh, treat me unequal. Uh, they did not treat me harshly simply because I disagreed with them. Now, that's not true in every class, uh, everything you'll take. There are, some, there are some professors out there who want to destroy the faith of those who come believing what their parents or what their preachers taught, and so they're on a mission to tear faith down. And if you're in a field of study where you're forced to take classes like that, you might want to think again. I've known of people who have who wanted to be anthropologists who found out real quick that they were taking classes where they were going to have to admit evolution was true, the general theory of evolution, and they would not get their degree, master's or PhD, unless they would give up their faith and agree to the evolutionary theory. They found out real quick that they were going to have to find another line of study. And that may be the case. If, if you're going to go in a line of study where they're going to force you to compromise or force you to, to box up your faith and put it away and not to be spoken or heard of, you might want to find another uh, line of study or pursuit in college studies and not put yourself in a position to where you're, the devil is going to destroy your faith or force you to be destroyed. Mark, those are good points. Um, I... I like what someone said is that if you if you start kind of writing what you don't believe, you end up believing it. That is, you end up believing what you write. Uh, you end up you end up believing the stories you tell or or what you think in your mind. And yeah, the importance of speaking the truth clearly, accurately. I like what you said about you know you do your research, your grammar's good, etc. You have all that down. And in most cases, the professors will appreciate that. If they don't, then that's a good sign to you that you're wasting your that you're wasting your valuable time and money in an institution that does that does not deserve your presence. Uh, I tell you what, you guys, as far as young people, there are so many colleges out there, and you're not on the you're you're the customer, and they need clients, and so. Um, and I like what you said about if you're in a field of study that the handwriting is on the wall of only unbelievers allowed, then well, either create your own school or decide to do something else. Well, we live in a day and age where, as you said, Mark, there are a lot of schools out there to choose from. And you have some that are a little more biblically inclined. Um, I was never faced with this dilemma because you know, I had the opportunity to go and be educated in places where. And it wasn't that I was seeking people to agree with me or vice versa, but uh, you just didn't have this. 
And uh, so you have a choice. And uh, there are a lot of people out there today, you know, fighting the school system for what is being taught, not not necessarily in a college level, but even down to the elementary school levels. And uh, you do have choices. Uh, I don't want to hurt or or promote any uh, particular type of, of education. That's a very personal thing that a person should pursue. Uh, but if you feel that you're in a position where you can't make those choices because of finances or money or whatever, those are things in life that you need to strive to plan for. And especially at a young age and start thinking, you know, this is, this is what I need to do to pursue in order to accomplish the goal that I'm striving for. Cause there are plenty of, of Christians who are scientific and look at things through the eyes of God. Uh, there are plenty of Christians out there that can teach you math that'll do so in a godly way. <laughs> well, what else do we have, Mark? Uh, there's Absol- a lot I think we can say about this subject uh, on, on college and making you know, the right choices. And, and Chris, I think it's as we move to our next question, it is never ending because this is not the only time in life that you're going to be faced with, okay, do you turn tail and run? Do you put your head in the sand? Or are you bold? Because... I mean, you get your degree, then you're the master's, you know, and then they're, you know, your PhD or whatever. Or I, I remember reading, uh, ran into an individual who said that he knew people that just kind of like they compromised all along the line. And finally, when they had their PhD and had tenure, they didn't know what they believed anymore because they'd compromised it so much. Uh, our next question here um, would be like at work in, in the workplace. Uh, you know, do I just keep my head low, go about my work, ignore all the falsehood? And, and I guess there's a number of things, Chris, that used to be, I think, the concern in this question was more of what if the boss asks me something unethical to do, sales or whatever it may be. I think now in a lot of workplace atmospheres, at workplaces, the atmosphere is in certain senses hostile to Christianity or hostile to someone who believes what the Bible says. And so there's kind of another layer now, not only like, hey, uh, what about ethical considerations? But what if they try to, uh, what, make me think differently? What if they try to reprogram me? Uh, what do I do then? Gentlemen, do you have any, uh, and and as, a, as the gentlemen talk about this, I hope, Everyone out there realizes that you're in demand. If you're a Christian, you're in demand everywhere. You're in demand in every workplace, community, etc. Uh, if some company says, hey, your faith isn't working here, your faith is not welcome here at all, guarantee there's a place down the road that needs you and would hire you. So don't, don't be afraid of moving on. But gentlemen, what do you have? I was thinking about a time when I was in the workforce and the boss asked me to fudge on the weight. I was in the shipping department and you could get a cheaper rate by going UPS. If you keep everything 50 pounds and and under, and this was 51 and a half or almost 52 pounds. So that way you had to ship it to freight line, which was more expensive. And she asked me, why don't you just put 50 on there? And I said, well, it's not 50. Uh, it's 52. And uh, so she was asked, well, you can just put it that way. And I said, no, I, I can't. But if you want to do that yourself, you're, <laughs> you you have at it. 
so, and, but that teaches the boss that you are going to be honest no matter what. And that also reinforces, hey, I need this person because when it comes to the cash, when it comes to the money that's being counted here, uh, I can rely on him to be honest. So honesty pays off sometimes. Sometimes it may not seem to pay off, but be an honest person because Yes, even when it when you have to shift it back to the boss and say, I can't do that. I can't fudge fudge things just for the books or just to pay a cheaper, cheaper price uh, that they'll know that you're going to be honest in other ways, too. And that's for their benefit. Uh, it, they don't want to hire somebody they can't trust. And so uh, you you uh, think about it that way, that that more uh, companies would much rather have an honest person than to have a bunch of people they can't trust at all. And so you just got to hold your, your guns uh, of honesty and, and stick with it. So it worked. Um, the question here is, do I keep my head low and don't and ignore all the falsehood? Well, I would say it, it depends. Uh, you've got to look for your opportunities. Uh, you're not the you're not the sheriff of every falsehood that's being circulated in the workforce. That's not your job. Uh, if you have opportunity to correct something, do so. But you just have to be careful. Uh, take one one issue at a time, and one thing at a time. And is it your business, or are you trying to nose into something that has not been made your business, and where they really are not? not wanting your opinion on anything. They're shouting or telling each other falsehoods. So I don't think you're the, you're the sheriff and you have to go act like the sheriff and you, you've got to correct everything that you hear that is wrong. Uh, people say, um, but at the same time, if you have an opportunity to straighten something out, then do so stand for the truth. Don't compromise the truth, but you're not the person this uh, that hard, that is hard to go around correcting everybody. There's an awful lot of drama uh, in workplaces. I hear it from my children. I hear it from my brethren. You're dealing with a lot of different personalities, people who come from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different of opinions on religion, politics, everything like that. And like Terry said, you can get yourself mixed up in that drama and, and lose a job real quick. You've got to respect the rules of the workplace there's a time to talk about those things. If somebody wants to have your opinion about that, there's a place and time for that. But there's also a place where, you know, you can interfere with your, your job as a worker. And the Lord expects you to do your job the very best that you're to do. We're to work not to be seen of men, but we're to work for the Lord. And so we need to do the very best possible job we can do and not create drama, not cause other problems, but when we do have an opportunity, like Terry said, we need to be able to be a good example. Someone has questions. They may know that we go to church. They may know that we're religious, uh, that we're a Christian. They may not be religious. They may be um, a Muslim. They may be a Hindu or something like that. And they get curious about, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Or what about the uh, the president did this? Or uh, or this rule was passed in our state. We need to take opportunity to say, well, uh, here's some thoughts for you. Or 
I follow what the Bible says, but I believe Bible is the word of the one and living God. And just small things like that can pique their um, curiosity and lead to more opportunities. When I worked at Sears Outlet back when I was in college, I didn't have a problem with the boss. He was a member of the church, so I was all right there. But I had workers. I had a lady who was a, a Jehovah's Witness who who liked to talk to everybody. And so she came to talk with me and we exchanged uh, letters back and forth about Jehovah's Witness doctrine. And I even went and visited uh, uh, one of the meetings that they have at uh, the first time I'd ever been at uh, one of their meetings. Uh, and, and you try to influence people for good, but you do that on your time and respect where you have to work. One other example is my, my daughter works part-time for a restaurant that shall remain nameless, but they recently, within the last year or two, uh, began serving alcoholic beverages. And they told the servers, now you when you go and uh, they're getting things out of the menu, you push that. You know, do you want a beer? Do you want this? you want that? My daughter told her boss, I will not do that. I am not going to encourage them to do it if they order it fine, I'll bring it to them, but I'm not going to encourage it because it's a big money seller. It's expensive. And so they wanted to push it. She said, I will not. And they, they, they understood that my daughter's pretty hard headed, so they're not going to fight her, but uh, you stand up and be bold and let it be known where your line is. Uh, they'll either respect it or like Terry said, maybe you need to find another job. I think Mark said that too. That's an excellent point because that's the one thing that people often don't do is stand up for themselves. I mean, people of the world stand up for themselves. Sinners stand up for themselves for their rights. As Christians, we have rights. You can go to the workplace and go talk to your boss. Be reasonable. Be respectful toward him. Uh, and, and what you'll find is that you can work out, say, times of service. You, you don't have to work every Sunday morning when you're worshiping God. I remember going to for a job interview. And uh, I fact, I think I mentioned this earlier. It was the marina uh, when I lived in Florida. And I remember telling the fellow I wanted to work. But I said, well, I, you know, I, I can't work on Sundays. Uh, you know, I, I get a break in the afternoon. You know, I, I went in the morning and in the evening. And he says, well, that's just not going to work for me. So I said, OK. You know, and I walked away. And as I walked away, he said, wait a minute. And he called me back. He says, what if you came in like one to five? I'm like, I can do that. And uh, we worked it out and I really enjoyed my time there. And he was respectful toward me and my beliefs. But we got off on the uh, that was the foot we got off on at that at that point from the very beginning. Um, I had another job uh, working in a lumber yard one time. And I remember getting my new gloves on and I was excited. And I was just hauling lumber, you know, from one bin to the next and had these couple rough looking guys come around the corner and say, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm working. <laughs> and they said, you need to slow it down. You're making us look bad. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm just, I'm just doing my job. You know, I wasn't trying to be arrogant about it, but over time I remember going out of the hot Florida sun and I was the one that ended up being promoted into the nice air conditioned building and didn't have to haul lumber anymore. Whereas these guys are still out there breaking their backs. So I just kind of look at that as a sign of if you apply yourself to a good work ethic, you will be blessed. And even people of the world will recognize that in you. The Bible says as much that those that live a godly life, you're, you're going to be respected. Um, and you want those kind of people working for you. Uh, and yes, there will always be people that won't like you. 
Uh, but when it comes down to it, uh, you need to start off on the right foot and say, this is who I am. If you don't want to hire me, fine. But don't just try to get a job and then later on, you know, pull the quote Christian card on them because they won't appreciate that. They'll look at that as being sneaky or hypocritical. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, so um, uh, start with that. A couple of comments that our viewers have made, uh, and I'll go ahead and mention, um, uh, if no one else knows, remember that God knows. That's a good statement. Um, we understand that sometimes uh, when it comes to work ethic and how we get paid, getting paid under the table is often an excuse not to pay taxes. Um, those are some things that our viewers are observing in the workplace as well. What else do we have? Uh, well, we just lost Mark again. I'm sorry. Uh, I, think, I, think Bob, I think Bob has a comment. Let okay, me say, Bob. getting back to what Terry said about his employer asking him to, to lie for her, uh, people need to know we're trustworthy. And she didn't realize if Terry would lie for her, how could she trust not how could she trust him not to lie to her? And you know, that just floors me that people will do that, expect them, expect a Christian, uh, anybody really, to lie for them. And well, I wouldn't trust that lady. That's right. Any word that comes out of her mouth is like, oh, okay. Yeah. Bob, a, that's a good time when you're just done. Yeah. Bob, that was a good point because how would you trust not to lie to her and, yeah. or lie about or lie about her? Um, right. And I, I, excellent comments. I like what you said, Chris. Be upfront in the interview. Be upfront with who you are. Here's who, who I am. Here's when I can work. You're going to get the best of me, but I'm not available for this time. God comes first. But if God comes first, you're going to get the best. I'll be truthful. I'll do my job. Um, and also just kind of be aware that other people are watching you. Uh, one of the great things about being a Christian is that you don't, you stay out of the gossip. You stay out of the workplace gossip. You don't backbite your boss. You're respectful. Um, you, you do the best you can to help him and the company succeed ethically. And I like what Titus, Titus tells servants to not to be argumentative, not to steal pilfer. That is particularly not to steal stuff, but also not to steal time from an employer, you know, not to take like there's really long breaks and stuff like that. And usually what I find, Chris, is that people that are Christians and hard workers is that when other individuals in the company are having like marital problems, the people they go to is that Christian. Because, because the Christian is not having those sort of problems in their own life. Um, the, the thing on honesty with Terry, I, I like what someone said. I, I don't want my dentist having a Corvette I want, or my accountant. I don't want my accountant driving around in a Corvette. I want him driving in a Camry. <laughs> yeah. and I thought that, you know, that makes me feel a lot better. Like, a, man, I want the guy who's frugal and wides with his money, et cetera, handling my money. But Chris, what's the next question that we have? Or I believe our final question for the evening is, and this would be in reference to if your children are not believers or if they're not faithful and there's grandkids, you know, and they said, hey, don't want you talking about God to our the grandkids. And if you do, you can't come over or whatever. Um, what do you do in a difficult situation like that? And with the, with the work one, Chris, I'm just reminded of Joseph. 
Joseph found favor in the eyes of Potiphar. Joseph found favor in the eyes of the, the, the chief jailer. And Daniel was the same way. Uh, good guys can get ahead in the world. Don't let it, don't, don't buy the devil's lie that you can't. Good guys can and do get ahead. But what about your observations on this question? Well, I, unfortunately, a lot of people find themselves in that situation, and I know I have, that uh, I don't get to see one of my grandchildren uh, because of some things that have happened that uh, the subject of religion is not, um, is not one of those things that is, is uh, the present parent doesn't want shared with their child. And so you can't, there are certain things that you can't do. You can live a holy, respectful life. First uh, Peter chapter three speaks to a situation I think is similar in at least principle where he says, likewise, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. So sometimes uh, you, you're in a situation where you're going to have to, you're going to have to hold back on some things that you're going to say verbally, but then you're just going to have to emphasize the things that you can visibly, uh, things in your life, your principles, and those things have got to be um, carried forward in such a way that the grandchild grandchild eventually will see the difference between you as a godly person and the parents that didn't want godly stuff, didn't want godly principles taught. And they're going to see the difference. So sometimes uh, you just have to uh, bide your time and uh, grit your teeth sometimes because you know they're going to take that grandchild further away from you uh, if you do not, you know, respect some of their their uh, their demands. So if you're going to get to see them at all, you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to hold your tongue in certain situations. So in order to see the grandkids, should I just keep quiet about the unbelief of my children? Um, yeah, you're going to have to do that to some extent. Uh, you will find your moment maybe when the child gets old enough to ask questions of you personally, but uh, you're going to have to be very, very careful if you want to see them. Now, sometimes, sometimes it's the cost is uh, you can't see them. And uh, we've got one that we haven't seen in six years or more. And so it's one of those situations where you you can't do anything. Your, your hands are tied and you have to do the best you can, but live the best you can so that when there is communication, that grandchild knows you love them. Terry, I think you would agree that the absolute worst thing you could do is to argue about it in front of the children. Right. That, that's not going to get you anywhere. That's not going to help your children. And that's certainly not going to place a good thought in the minds of the grandchildren that that be against the very idea of what you said of being godly. Don't argue about it in front of them uh, and don't argue about it at all. Seek peaceful ways to deal with these problems. We might say also that the realization is that uh, 
you know, the kids actually kind of need you <laughs> more than you need them in a sense. Um, uh, I, I guess just make sure you don't allow the kids to blackmail you. You know, I'm reminded of that statement by Jesus, a sword, a sword's going to divide families between a daughter-in-law and her mother-in-law, et cetera. And that sword comes through there. Hopefully, hopefully at some point, Terry, the grandkids, and we'll pray for your situation, ask the viewers to pray for Terry's situation, that there would be a resolution there, that that log jam would kind of break up, that things would happen, uh, that uh, the kids would uh, light bulb moment. But hopefully, hopefully in the future, the kids, those grandkids will come looking for answers or they'll come looking for for you. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's a sad situation where it, uh, maybe Chris, you mentioned this, that um, unbelievers don't stay quiet about their unbelief, but they expect us to be stay quiet. And it's like, wait a minute, that's a double standard. There's nothing right about that. But as Mark said, maybe some of those conversations we can have in private and aside and uh, uh, press our points let, let them know we love them, that God loves them, that we're always here. Um, but also maybe just like, hey, so how is this plan going to work that we're not preparing for eternity? How is this plan going to work that we're not letting the kids know what's next? How is that all going to pan out in the end? Bob, you got any thoughts? Well, sometimes it may just be one one parent it may be a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law rather than a son or a daughter and uh, maybe the best thing to do is to talk with the one who is most obstinate about that uh, at a time when the children can't the grandchildren can't hear and just see if you can reason with them from time to time uh, certainly don't want to uh, instigate anything every time nobody wants to hear uh, that they're wrong all of the time but from time to time, we might just want to bring it up again to the most obstinate of the two and ask them, you know, well, uh, are you trying to tell them the truth? Are you trying to teach them about God, about Jesus Christ? And if, if not, why not? Why don't you want to do that? And it may be that they're doing their, maybe that they're not teaching them all the truth, but maybe they're teaching some truth. And I look growing up in, in a denomination I learned a lot of truth, not, not all the truth, but I learned enough truth that when I saw the truth about the plan of salvation, I could appreciate it. Uh, because I learned, one thing I learned in the denomination, if you see it in the Bible, it's true. And so when I began to see things in the Bible that I had not been taught, I knew they were true and I embraced them. And so maybe, maybe sometimes just talk to the offending parent, if you, if you might want to put it that way. Bob, that yeah. was a good point. You might just, you know, sometimes people will give you a reason, but it's not their number one reason. Sometimes if you could talk to the person who has their heels dug in and say, okay, would you really let me know what your beef is? I mean, what, what's the, and I don't want to hear reason number six. <laughs> as far as, what, what's your number one reason that you're resistant to God, the Bible, Jesus? Can you give me your number one belief so at least I can understand what your real problem is. And so I'm, I'm kind of not like just in the dark on the whole matter. 
and come to the wrong conclusion. Could you give me what the real at the bottom at the end of the day, what's your beef about the whole thing? And I'll hear you out. And of course, in situations like that, uh, one of the reasons they uh, maybe family members won't be listening to what you have to say is because they know what you believe. Uh, and there comes a time, like we talked about at the beginning of our program, a time to speak and a time to keep silent. Uh, they know where we stand. They know our expectations of them. And I, I guess ultimately it comes down to, you know, first Peter chapter uh, three and verse one, though it's talking about a submissive wife to a, a disobedient husband. I think the principle still applies in the character that we should all have, where it says, uh, if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And no matter who you are, those children are going to look up to your conduct. Uh, they're going to see your demeanor, your example, your patience with them. And I guess we just are so desperate because we don't know how much time we have left on this earth to make things right with God. And and we are desperate to save our children, our grandchildren and those that we love in this life. The rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16, when the rich man you know, realized the predicament that he was in and uh, that he was destined for eternal condemnation. He said, but I have five brothers back at home. I want them to hear the message. And uh, they should have listened to Moses, the prophets, of course, the word of God. And they should have obeyed God's word instead of being uh, satisfied with their own lifestyle. And uh, so those are important lessons of warning for us and uh, lessons to show that you need to live as a Christian, behave as a Christian, and... Um, and those that want to be right with God, they're going to see your example and they're either going to follow it or unfortunately and sadly and heartbreakingly, uh, they may not. But um, all we can do is try. We do our part. God will do his. And um, and then people will make those choices. Any last comments before we wrap up our program this evening? It's been a wonderful study. Appreciate the thoughts of all, all of uh, you guys tonight. Chris, and it's just one of those things over the years, Chris, by your attendance, by your Bible reading, etc. You know, I think sometimes if we have unbelieving kids, they think we're going to move, that we can be worn down. That 10, 20 years later, we don't believe what we used to believe. And it's a good reminder. No, I still do. I'm with Jesus. I haven't moved. And the reality is God's not going to move. So just stay there. Stay there. I mean, I think sometimes family, unbelieving families looking on and say, will they break? Will they chuck it in? Because if they do, then that's my excuse. But as long as you're there in, as an example, you're a reminder of that the day of the Lord, the Lord will come as a thief. And that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're a great reminder. I, it looks like I am getting close to running out of battery on my phone. So thanks for being on the show. Well, your timing's Tonight, perfect. <laughs> your timing's perfect. Uh, thank you all for being with us tonight, and thank you for sharing your wisdom. I look forward to next Tuesday, if the Lord wills. We'll be back again with another subject in our Keeping My Head on Straight series. And so uh, some of you I know will be on the question and answer program tomorrow at noon. So uh, everyone have a good night's rest, and uh, thank you for your wisdom tonight. We want to invite all that have been listening to our program tonight uh, to continue to uh, tune in. We've had some great comments tonight. We haven't been able to answer everyone in the chat, but uh, uh, a lot of people have been able to read those on Facebook as well as YouTube. 
And uh, so we're thankful for the comments, whether we commented on them or not, they are recognized. Some of you have asked us some very specific questions. And if you'd like to chat more privately, uh, send us an email, questions at answeringreligiousera.com. And we'd be happy to further our discussions with you uh, that you may be encouraged uh, with God's word as well. We want to encourage you, though, to also listen to some other programs uh, that are happening throughout the week. Our own brother, Bob Myhan, who is with us tonight, has his program on Monday evenings at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that show is called Bob's Bible Basics. You can find it on YouTube and Facebook. And then uh, there's a show uh, for women by women on Thursdays called Older Women Likewise. If you'll join uh, those ladies of faith in their discussions of God's word uh, from a woman's perspective, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. And as we've been talking about, I uh, need to get ready. Uh, we have this daily answer podcast that's coming soon. Uh, more specifically, next, uh, well, uh, September 6th. Uh, it's almost a new month on a September 6th, 2022. Uh, you can start tuning in early that morning and uh, listen for the daily answer podcast. And you've heard Brother Bart Dunnigan tonight uh, share uh, his knowledge with you. And uh, he's going to enlighten us with a few things. So looking forward to that every day. Uh, and uh, I believe that'll start on Tuesday, uh, the day after Labor Day. And uh, you'll catch his program every weekday. So uh, tune in for that. The Daily Answer podcast on pretty much all the mainstream podcast platforms, as well as this program, the question and answer program and other programs that you can uh, tune into to uh, listen to um, after they air. So later tonight, perhaps first thing in the morning, you'll be able to hear uh, this program uh, and uh, just brush up a little bit on some of the things that we've talked about. Uh, so as we said, we're thankful for the presence of everyone tonight. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we hope to uh, see you next time. Join us tomorrow for the live Bible Q&A at 12 noon. And if you'd like to be a part of that program, again, go ahead and ask your questions at questions at answeringreligiousera.com. And so have a great week. We'll see you next time right here on Answering Religious Error.